Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Tonight, man, um, I have the privilege of uh, being able to share with you guys. And this is, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about staying sharp. Because here's the thing that I found out on my life. Um, there are these patterns that I get in and cycles that honestly, I, uh, I would love to be able to break. And, uh, and, and the Lord is showing me that I actually don't have to stay in these cycles of, uh, you know, of getting into ruts and getting dull. I can actually stay sharp in my face. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been praying prayers together. And uh, this is a reminder of some bold prayers that we prayed for our church that we've got posted up here. But then last week, uh, we were encouraged by Erin. Erin shared with us how she began to just really get up in the morning early, start to pray some prayers, and she began to experience God at work, just showing her things and people to love on. And so tonight, as we begin, um, I want to start by celebrating a few more stories of how people are continuing to move in faith. Last week, we ended with a time of prayer up here. We were all around this baptistry. We were praying together, and there's a lot of you that sat here and said, listen, I want to see God open up doors in my life this week. And so we've continued to hear stories. So we're going to hear a couple stories tonight. Um, one from Megan Thompson and also from Miss Dawn. So Megan, would you come and uh, would you share with us in just a minute? And uh, let me get the mic for you. And so as, as we're celebrating this, I mean, y'all give it up for Megan. Anybody that's just, yeah. Anybody that's willing to, to share and be vulnerable like this, man, I, I give props to. So here you go. Bring us into the experience, all right, of what you've experienced this past week. Um, so I guess a couple weeks ago in small group, we were talking about being bold, and um, then just a bunch of people were just really giving, um, just really throwing their heart out there and saying how it's really tough to be bold, which I can relate with. Um, and after that, we, we prayed as a group, and then the next morning, I woke up, and I was kind of having some quiet time, and I started to pray, Lord, help make me bold and help um, just give me opportunities to see instead of just flying through my day. Um, and in the back of my head, I was a little bit doubtful, like, okay, like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. How many opportunities are you going to show me today? I was, I was really doubting the Lord. But at the same time, I felt um, just that I'd been really lukewarm, like, in my walk, and I wanted to see the Lord move. Um, so the only thing on the day on the agenda was going to Walmart. And I was like, okay. Um, so I do my shopping, nothing eventful, and then I go out to the parking lot, and I'm putting Ray back in the car seat, and there's a man standing there blocking me, and I was like, oh, this isn't cool, like, not today, Lord, um, and I was a little freaked out, and then instantly I had this sense of peace, whether he was homeless or whatever, I didn't feel fearful, and I just knew the Lord was saying, hey, walk into that, um, so I was like, Oh, hey. And he, he needed money, one. But then he just started to share um, the story of feeling shame. And um, I'm sitting there and saying, Lord, I don't, I don't feel, 
I don't feel like he's just wanting money out of me. It's like he wanted somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, So we sat and we talked for, I don't know, five or ten minutes just about how the Lord writes our story and that we don't have to feel ashamed because he, you know, he takes care of that and how no matter what we have going on, like, for example, he was a vet, so he he seemed to have, like, this this baggage, and we got to talk about, that's not a big deal because the Lord could use us either way. And I was like, man, thank you, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, for showing me how to be bold today. That was awesome. And then I wake up the next day, and I'm like, all right, Lord, give me boldness today. And I was a little freaked out to ask him because I was thinking, awesome. is he going to show up again? Um so I go to the playground, um, and this mom, like, walks up to me, and we're chatting, we're chatting, and then she follows me, and I'm like, I'm not, like, a loud person, I'm not, like, super excitable, why are you following me? And she just wanted to talk, and though we didn't dig into the gospel, I felt that the Lord was giving me the opportunity um, to not be fearful of building relationships in different places with people I didn't know. Um, so just praises to the Lord for... Um, giving kind of my, my shy heart some boldness last week. That's so. amazing. Praise God. Yes. Awesome. And I, and I, love, what, I love what she shared. Um, and Miss Dawn, if you want to come up, would you like to share as well? Um, but I loved how she said the next day she got up and she prayed it again, right? Because as you begin to take these steps of faith, it's not that they become easier, but they become exciting because you know, you know God's on the move and you know that there's going to be an encounter for you there. And that's what a doorway prayer looks like. God, show me something. And uh, so that's a beautiful thing. Let's, uh, let's hear your story. Um, Aaron's testimony last week about um, asking God to just open up the door and give you opportunities um, really spoke to me. And so I asked God, you know, just um, open up the door, you know, let me... Let me have some opportunities to share about you. Well, um, I actually have two stories, but um, it wasn't really sharing, but it was praying with. So um, everything happened on Wednesday. So Wednesday was my day. Um, I got to work, and uh, one of the girls that I work with um, has been really struggling. Her daughter was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and um, so I, I asked her, I said, well, how's, how's Madeline doing? And she said, well, she's better than I am. And um, I said, well, what's going on? And she says, well, it's just, and she just started crying. So I was able to just talk to her and um, I asked her, well, can I pray with you? And she said, yeah. And she just kind of fell into my arms and I was able to pray for her. Um, so that was, that was one story. And um, uh, Jennifer sent out a text for our life group early in the week, and it said um, we were going to have soup and a story. So we were to bring a story of what happened throughout our day. Well, our life group meets on Wednesday night. So I'm probably one of those people that can never come up with a story when I need to. You know, I can come up with one when I'm not planning on it. <laughs> so I asked God, I said, Lord, just give me a story. So my story started at about four in the morning. I am not an early morning person, so it happened while I was sleeping. But when I was sleeping, I heard in my, in my spirit or in my mind so vividly, knock and it will be opened, seek and you will find, and then I woke up. But it was so clear and vivid in my mind, and I thought, I have to remember that. You know, what is God trying to say to me? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a verse that most people know. 
So um, I grabbed my glasses and my phone and I typed it in my, in my notes so I would remember. And when I got to work um, and parked my car, which I tend to get there early and that's a lot of the time that's where I have my quiet time before I go into work and the chaos begins, you know. But I wanted to, um, so I looked up the, um, the Bible verse or the Bible verses that go along with that. So I want to read it to you. Um, keep on asking, it's Matthew 7, 7 and 8, by the way. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Well, um, I still kind of went, well, you know, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? What, what am I supposed to be asking for? You know, what have I been asking for that, you know, maybe you need me to realize it? Well, uh, a little before noon, my oldest daughter, Ashley, called me, and she lives in Indiana, and um, she was just really distressed. She'd been, anytime Ashley calls me during the day, there's something going on. <laughs> So um, she was just really upset because she got another call from the daycare. She had to go pick up my grandson because he's sick again, and she has to keep leaving work. She said, Mom, I'm just so stressed out, and, you know, I've done this, this, and this. And I said, well, it sounds like you're, you know, doing what you need to do. And I said, well, let me pray with you. And um, so I prayed with her, and just hearing her say amen, you know, kind of warms the mama's heart. And just a little background on Ashley. She's my child who has ra was raised in the church. She knows the Lord. She's been saved, but she walked away a long time ago. And um, I've been praying for her for a very long time, just praying that she comes back. And I've always um, held on to the verse, um, Proverbs 22.6, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I feel like that this verse that God gave me was a reminder of his other promise, that if I just keep on asking and keep on praying, you know, he's going to respond and he's going to open that door. So, so I really feel like that was what God wanted to, wanted to teach me. So just a little encouragement if you've been praying for something for a really long time and you just feel like God's just not answering it, mm -hmm. just keep on knocking and keep on seeking and keep on asking because he knows the desires of our heart, and he wants to give those to us. So. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. What I lo love about each of their experiences is that they're available to all of us. When you believe in Jesus and you begin to take steps of faith, this becomes the normal. This becomes the experience of you having encounters, of God waking you up at four in the morning, of God bringing scripture to mind and then bringing someone across your path. And I love this because Megan was just going to Walmart, right? Just going to Walmart. We've got to start thinking that things are bigger than just going to Walmart, than just going to work, than just dropping my kid off here, than just going there. Because everything now, when we give our life to Jesus, becomes spiritual, the Spirit is working in, every, in everything and through everyone, and He's drawing people. And what the Word says is that the harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's time, but the workers are few. But the workers, whenever they realize that it's more than just going to Walmart, that there's a person there that needs an encouragement of the gospel, that needs to know that God loves them, it changes everything. So thank you guys for your obedience. If you have stories that you want to share with us, um, 
just follow up with us, connect with us. We would love to continue to share these stories as we continue to see prayers uh, being answered. Here, here's one of the prayers that we uh, prayed for. Someone, I don't know who, who wrote this, but I just want to share this prayer with you. The prayer was for growth and walks with the Father and in number with the church body and life groups. Commitment to God to go where he sends and stability to have a firm foundation in Christ as a body and individually. But I love this because several weeks ago, someone prayed this over the church, and what we're seeing is this prayer being answered in the faithfulness of people continuing to go out and respond. We're continuing to see this commitment to God to go where he sends us. Megan was committed to go to Walmart, and she knew there was a person there that she needed to speak to. Dawn was committed to go and continue to pursue that relationship with her daughter. And I just want you all to know that, that, that God is, is moving on behalf of your prayers. This is not something where we just say, oh, great job, Megan. Oh, great job, Dawn. Oh, great job, some individual. The church is involved in this. Our prayers are at work in this and God drawing people to us in the midst of our day. So keep praying, all right? Your prayers are active. They are working, all right? That prayer of faith is moving. So here's the challenge for us, though. The challenge becomes not necessarily hearing God's voice. We talked about that several weeks ago. The challenge is not hearing God's voice, but actually following it when he speaks because God makes himself clear. He gives us his word. He communicates with us, to us, through us. And along with that challenge, I believe the challenge is staying sharp. So as we begin tonight, um, let's have a little bit of dialogue, but what are some things you hope never become dull? Go. What are some things you hope never become dull? Keep it PG too, all right? What's something you hope never becomes dull? What we got? A knife. A knife. There we go. A knife. Somebody read my mind. All right, a knife. What else we got? Marriage. You say marriage? Yeah. Marriage. Awesome. Who hopes their mind never grows dull? All right. What about grandmother silver? Right? Like you inherit this thing and it starts to tarnish. Like, I don't want that to turn dull. All right, what else? Anything else? Relationship with Jesus. What about your vision? Anybody had cataract surgery glasses? Any of that? Boom, there we go. We don't want our vision to grow dull. We don't want our taste, to, we don't want our senses to grow dull. All right? And here's the thing when we think about this, ultimately, what I hope is that spiritually we don't grow dull. When I use the word dull, though, here's what I'm talking about. When we're talking about Grandma Silver, when we're talking about a knife, when we're talking about relationships, and we're describing them as dull, we're saying they are not really meeting their full potential. They are less than what they should be. But when we say something is sharp, we're saying it's at its full potential, right? And so as we begin to think about this, when Jesus starts to teach and he begins to explain things to his disciples, what he explains to them is this. They begin to ask Jesus why he teaches and uses these simple stories called parables and why you know, he used that method of teaching. And he begins to talk and explain that there was a group of people called the Pharisees that they saw, but they actually didn't see. They weren't actually learning. They heard, but it wasn't actually sticking because what began to happen with the course of their life is they were not moving on behalf of what they had heard. It's kind of like your mom saying, hey, are you, do you hear me? 
Are you listening to me? And you know, and you know that she's like, I'm like, yes, I hear you. I heard, I'll, and you, you know, then the smart aleck kid like I am, like repeats everything she just said. Well, then she's like, well, just do what I said then, right? So you can actually be present to be a part of an experience, but yet not truly understand what's going on. And so when Jesus begins to have dialogue about people and their, their vision and what they see and what they hear, really what he's doing, he's calling them to this sharp living. But the problem is, is that there were people that experienced Jesus, that saw the miracles, that heard the teaching, and yet they said, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Who is, will you show us the Messiah? Like they missed the fact that Jesus was God. But here's what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 13, verse 16. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And he wasn't talking just literally there, but they got it. And they got it because they understand Jesus, before he said this, actually quoted a passage from Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, the conversation between God and Isaiah to tell to his people Israel was this. He says, listen, they're, they're hearing, but they're not listening. They're seeing, but they're not doing. And so what it says in the ESV is that their hearts were actually dull. Their hearts had become dull. And our hearts become dull whenever we experience something, but we don't move and act on it. When we see that word dull come throughout other passages in scripture, it's this idea of being sluggish, of just being lazy, of not being proactive and moving. So when we look at the disciples, the disciples stood out from the Pharisees who had become dull. Pharisees had an experience with the truth. They knew the Bible. They missed Jesus. They weren't following. They weren't acting in faith on that. So being sharp is about acting in obedience to what we see Jesus do and hear him say. Those that obey what they see and they hear understand. It's pretty simple, right? We learned that in school a long time ago. That's what we have tests for. We're tested to see if we actually understood the things that we saw and heard, right? And those are the people that are going to be spiritually sharp that see and hear. On the other hand, those that are spiritually dull are going to be ones that are a part of an experience, but they don't understand, so they don't do. And what we see in James, right? What James tells us is not to just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer who actually understands, right? So what we see is, is that being sharp then spiritually is acting on what we know to be true and doing that, all right? So when we continue to read through scripture though, what happens is, is about 40 years after Jesus ascends and goes into heaven, the church has begun to grow. It's begun to progress. It's expanding throughout Jerusalem, right? Judea, it's going to the ends of the earth. That is beginning to happen. But some of the fire is going out. People had came and they had you know, been a part of their, their religious practice with Jesus. I mean, they came, they did the church thing. They, they, they did the Bible study. But then what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter six is this, Hebrews six, verse one. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding, 
Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. That seems a little harsh, right, when you hear that. But what he's saying is, is that because of what had happened in the church, the church had had an experience with Jesus. They'd seen people get saved, seen people get to know Jesus, right? They were growing in their faith, but then they got to this point where he's saying, listen, do, do we really need to go back to these elementary teachings again? And he uses this word maturity. Now, here's what maturity is. When we look at kids, we call most kids immature, okay? There's a few that are more mature than others, right? But as a whole, children are, are known just for their immaturity. But what makes them immature is the fact that they're self-centered and they disobey, right? They say no to you. If you go to a kid's party, what are you going to experience? All right, like my friend told me a story about this. He said, listen, we're at this kid's birthday party. And as soon as the kid unwrapped his gift, another kid grabbed it and said, that's mine. You know, and I know y'all have experienced that before. I know you've experienced that. But the reality of of somebody that is immature is that they are self-centered. And he says, guys, it's time for us to go on and be mature in our faith now. Like it's time to begin to put some feet to the prayers that we're praying. It's time for us to start acting in faith on what we've seen and heard from Jesus. And so here's what he explains as being mature in Hebrews chapter six, verse 11. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who were going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. All right, so what is the great desire? The great desire here is that you will keep on loving others. So let's put this together, all right? Jesus says, blessed are you because you actually see and you hear, you understand, and therefore you do. Now, to this people, to the Hebrews, this passage is going out, this, this letter's being read to them. They are receiving this letter. They are, they are told, hey, let's, let's move on into maturity. Let's go, let's go beyond these elementary teachings. So now what is mature living? Mature living is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. That's maturity, right? And when we look at somebody that's an adult, what we, 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 we applaud them because they're, they're, you know, they're self-sufficient, but ultimately the person that acts maturely begins to look beyond his or her own needs to the needs of others and care for them as well. That's when you're, you can actually enter into a relationship and when relationships get into problems, when marriages have problems, it's because someone's acting immature or both people are acting immature. And you know what immaturity is? They're self-centered. But when we begin to look at the needs of the other person and love the other person, well, we begin to act maturely. As a church, we will be designated as a mature church as we begin to look and, and not be self-serving, but look to the needs of others. Individually, the same is true. But here's the thing that I'm interested in because I'm thinking about this concept of becoming spiritually dull and I don't wanna be dull. And what the word says will prevent us from becoming spiritually dull 
is loving other people. So let me just read it again, what it says in verse 12. You will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. The example that we have to follow is people that are enduring in their faith. The stories that we're celebrating with you guys are people that are continuing to endure in their faith. They're continuing to press in. They're continuing to ask questions. They're continuing to pray prayers and just be open to the next thing. And that's what we're gonna continue to celebrate. That's maturity. I'm excited about those things. But ultimately, like the word says, our desire is you keep on loving. When we keep on loving, we stay sharp. All right? Let me just break it down for you like this, okay? So the most mature thing that you can possibly do with your life is to love others like Jesus loves people. That's the most mature thing you can possibly do. If you want to be like big boy Christian, right? Love people like Jesus loves you, okay? All right? Now, here's another way to think about it. We love to go deep into the Word. We love our Bible studies, okay? The deepest that you go in the Word that was going to lead you to the love of Jesus And so the proof that you've gone down to the depths and you understand, okay, the depths and the truths that are hidden in the word of God, that are right before us, that Jesus has has just poured out among us, right? The proof of that is that you're going to love others like Jesus does. And I think I have to speak to that a little bit because when we talk about staying sharp, okay, what scripture says about the word of God is that It is sharp. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it's capable of separating bone from marrow and doing some serious work on your life. That's what the Word of God is. And because God has entrusted us with a sharp sword, don't you think we ought to be striving to be spiritually sharp and know how to handle that thing? Can you imagine somebody going into a fight that's, uh, you know, that's, that's spiritually blind, Let's just go physical, right? So you're you're blind, you can't hear, and the motive of your heart is totally off, but you're sitting there with a sword, just swinging it, right? I don't want the sword to be uh, sharp or dull, I don't think, right? I don't really want anybody that's blind to be waving a sword. But yet, I think sometimes we feel like what we're supposed to do as Christians is just grab that sword that we know a little bit about and just start slinging that thing at people, Right? Perhaps maybe the reason that some of the people are just so put off with the church in general is because they've t- somebody's taken the word of God as a hammer and just smashed them with it, right? And not operated in love. But what the word says, if we don't have love, we're just like a loud symbol. We don't like loud symbols. That's why we got that plastic thing up right there to help block the symbols. And even when they're played well, the musical, they're still loud, they still hurt our ears. We don't want a nasty gong. And so... What we see is, is that when we go and we begin to operate in love, though, we begin to operate in the sharpness of what Jesus has called us to. So because he entrusts us with this sharp word, man, let's make sure that we're hearing and we're listening, that we have those blessed ears, right, that Jesus talks about. But here's the thing that gets me, all right? I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to waste a single moment of my days. I've experienced some things in my life that's really made me like step back and say, man, life is short. I don't want to waste a minute. But according to the word here, for us to live to our full potential, 
Man, we've got to love others to their full potential. Living to your fullest potential is loving others to their fullest potential. That's what it's about. But you can't do that unless you've stepped into receiving that love from Jesus. So real quick, what's this love that we're talking about here tonight? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this. This is how it describes love. So if you want to, if you sit there and you say, I love you to your husband or your wife or your kid or, or whoever in your life, this is what scripture says we should be meaning when we say love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Man, I want that kind of love. That's the kind of love I want. And so if I put this together, if what the word says will keep me from becoming dull is loving others, and this is the love that, that I'm supposed to be doing, then what will make me dull is doing the opposite of 1 Corinthians, won't it? That makes sense, right? So let's just go through really quickly what the opposite of this is, okay? First of all, if, if you want to just really dull the blade of your spiritual life, okay, Forget that God loves you. When we get to this place in our life where we forget that we actually need grace, then we forget that they need grace. And when we start to forget that they need grace, we don't really operate that way and we don't give them love. But if we can get to this place of recognizing the fact that we need the cross every single day of our life, well, then we can begin to see the beauty of John three sixteen that God loved the world so much he gave Jesus. If we'll believe in him, we're not going to perish, but we're going to live forever, right? We got to stay in that place of understanding that this is the kind of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 that Jesus gives you first. But if you forget that, it's going to be hard to give it. Another thing that's really going to make you dull is always comparing results. That's one of the things we have uh, like a huge like, struggle with. As we sit and we hear a story from Megan, we hear a story from Dawn, and we sit there and we begin to compare. And you might sit there and, sit there and think, man, I mean, I don't, that's great for you. Probably not going to happen in my life. Man, what happens to Jay on Tuesday night? That's great for him, but it's probably not going to happen to me. I mean, I can't even get out on Tuesday night. And since God only moves on Tuesday night, I don't know what's going to happen. And we start to sit here and believe these lies, right? And we start to compare other people. And we start to, and here, here's another one. We start to think that my gift is more important than your gift. Or the flip, your gift, because you're on stage, is more valuable than my gift that happens in a Walmart parking lot with a homeless guy. Here's the reality. Jesus, right, is the head of this thing, and we all make up the body. And every part of the body, even if you are the toe of the body, is crucial because you chop your toe off and you're not running anymore. That body's not moving until it addresses the splinter in the toe, okay? Every part of the body is extremely important. We begin to think that we're not. And so what 1 Corinthians 13 is saying is this. It says, love 
It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Guys, we got to quit keeping score. That's what true friendship in the church is, right? It's, it's, it's not us keeping score over this and that, but us celebrating the fact that, hey, there's just a win for the kingdom, period. And then the final thing that really makes us dull is when we get to this place that we believe that nobody needs, that they don't need that love. Like they really don't, like that, that guy, that homeless guy, he really doesn't need anybody to talk to. He really didn't need my help. When that person, like that, they really didn't need me. Here's what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never gives up. Love never gives up. It keeps on praying for that daughter to meet Jesus and come back around, right? Love doesn't give up. Love keeps on seeing the potential, the best in, in the person, in your spouse, rather than the worst. It sees what Jesus can turn them into, not what they were before Jesus, right? That's what love does. It sees the best in these things. It doesn't give up. It doesn't lose faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. When there's true love that's defined by Jesus here, that's fueled by Jesus, man, you can make it through anything. So now, to answer the question maybe that we're having right now, so how do I stay sharp? Well, good news, word has an answer for us, okay? Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So I've learned something about staying sharp, all right? And it's come from this guy right here, okay? This is my knife, okay? Not Danielle's knife, this is my knife, okay? And when I'm cooking, I go, and if, if, I'm, if I'm chopping vegetables with this knife, if I'm, I mean, I, leave, I, I cut everything with this knife. But here's the thing, this knife is never dull. And when Danielle borrows my knife, what she says about my knife is this. She's like, you know, the funny thing is, your knife is always sharp. It's always sharp. And you know what's so simple, but like so profound at the same time? The reason this knife stays sharp is because every time I use the knife, this thing's right next to it. And so I begin to take it and I begin to sharpen it. And I go and I make my dinner, chop up my onions, Start getting, you know, the skillet high, right? Start cutting things. I just keep going with it. And what begins to happen is that every time I go to use my knife, it's sharp. It doesn't get dull. It doesn't get dull. Now, the use of it, obviously, it's going to wear it out. And if I start to, you know, start cutting rocks up with it and stuff, I'm going to have problems. But what the word says is iron sharpens iron. So I grab another piece of iron to begin to sharpen this thing, another piece of steel, another thing of equal strength of metal to to run against that thing, and I I keep it sharp. I don't ever have to worry about a dull knife. I sharpen it all the time. And what the word says is that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So if you want to stay sharp, very simply, I'm going to tell you this, you've got to stay in friendship. You've got to stay in friendship. You can't do this thing alone. Going out by yourself, flying solo, 
you were going to get dull. Another thing that'll make this knife dull, I was actually, I had an, uh, a hatchet this past weekend. I was camping. And, um, and as I was chopping wood, I started hitting rocks and going into the dirt. Like I was just trying to make some kindling and I was just smashing it. And I started seeing sparks flying and the edge is starting to roll over on my axe. I got to sharpen it again. When we use our life for something other than what God intended it, it will dull us. It will dull you when your life is used for something beyond what God intended. God intended your life for worship of him, to love him. That's what the great commandment is. We love the Ten Commandments, but they all revolve out of our love for God and then our operations with others, our love for people. That's the great commandment. That's what we were intended for. But when we start to do something other than that, we get dull. So here's three specific friendships, though, that are going to keep you sharp. Number one, and this is, this is crucial, is your friendship with Jesus. To the people that decide to follow Jesus, you know what Jesus says to them? He says, no longer do I call you my servant, but I call you my friend. And here's what a friend does. A friend lays down his life for his friend. When we understand the friendship that Jesus invites us into, we realize the fact that Jesus died for us. He gave his life so that we might be in friendship with him. All right? That's the first thing that's going to bring you into spiritual sharpness. So today, if you're feeling dull in your life and you don't know Jesus, you're going to stay there until you step into friendship with Jesus. But when you step into friendship with Jesus, dude, it, I'm telling you, you begin to have your eyes opened and your ears open. You see, you hear, you begin to understand it. You get it. The word starts to come alive to you. It's like you start reading it and you're like, oh my God. You know, you feel it. You're like, oh, shoot. And the sharpness of the word meets the sharpness of your heart, and you begin to get strengthened by it. And the word, maybe it was used to damage you in the past, but it starts to heal. It starts to do surgery when you step into the word and you step into a relationship with Jesus. So friendship with Jesus is crucial to you stepping into being spiritually sharp. But here's the other thing. So Jesus was actually despised by some bad religious people because he spent his time with sinners. What the word says is Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so as we step into friendship with Jesus, the next level of friendship that's really gonna begin to sharpen us is when you start to have friendship with those people that don't know Jesus. Some of us have become spiritually dull. We, we've confessed Jesus we spent time on his word, but we forgot what the cry of a lost person sounds like. We forgot what it looks like to be far away. And I'm telling you, the, the times that you go, I guarantee you, as you begin to see these people that God puts in your life, and you begin to tell them this simple truth that God loves you, and you begin to invite them into friendship with Jesus, there's something that happens to your, your perception, your sharpness, you begin to see something. Your vision gets really clear. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives you this perspective like you will have in no other place where you can just see right to their soul and you know exactly what to share with those people. But I'm telling you, if you don't have conversations with lost people, you're not going to experience that level of sharpness. Our eyes get dull. They get cataracts, man. We have to come and just and ask God to unveil our eyes to remove those things. Give me vision to see lost people again. I'm just going to tell you this, y'all. If, if, 
if you love Jesus, but you haven't been hanging out with lost people in the past week, like what'd you do that was like really beneficial? If you've gone to the depths of the word and you, and you love the word and you've got this awesome sword collection at your house of sharp swords, you got an ESV sword, an NLT sword, the message sword, right? You got all these swords hanging up at your house, but you don't actually use it to really speak and bring truth into somebody's life and to help somebody go from darkness into light, go from death to life. Like if we haven't stepped into that, what are we doing? here's the other part that I really love. I love this about Midtown. But the third level of friendship that's going to make you sharp, and I believe it's actually the one that's very specifically talked about here in Proverbs, is your friendship with one another. Your friendship with these people that are doing this thing with you, that are going after the kingdom together, that know Jesus. That's the iron that's going to continue to sharpen iron. That's the friend that's going to sharpen a friend. That's why we love life groups. That's why we love hanging out with other Christ followers. You call the group whatever you want to do, but when you get together with somebody else that knows Jesus and you begin to share your stories, your struggles, when you just get real and you're like, hey, this was really hard. This week was terrible, actually. And they begin to wash you with the word, speak truth into your life, put their arm around you. It sharpens you. So we go from friendship with Jesus, friendship with those that need Jesus, but now friendship with your faith family as you rejoice in the truth together. That's gonna keep you sharp. Listen, I'm here to tell you, if you're married and you're struggling in your marriage, we all are to some degree, or we all have been there. So let's be open and honest about what's going on in our marriage. If you're struggling with some sin in your life, some addiction, chances are the majority of us have too. If you doubted your faith and you sat there and thought, hey, I don't even know if God can use me, guess what? That's been me too. And if you think that maybe God can't use you, well, we've all thought that too, but guess what? God works miracles and he takes us and our filth and our mess and our jumbled up stuff and he turns it into something so amazingly beautiful. He shows us his faithfulness day in and day out. So I say that to you today because if you become spiritually dull, chances are you're in one of these three places. Man, you've forgotten the love of Jesus. You've forgotten the love of the lost people. You've forgotten to just love your friends here in the church. But when you can step into that love and begin to love other people, guess what? That's called maturity. Maturity is not having everything figured out. Maturity is being able to lean into those that love you and you love, begin to learn from them. Maturity is stepping up and just saying, hey, I realize this whole thing doesn't revolve around me. And because this whole thing doesn't revolve around me, then guess what? We can lean in and we can do this thing together. Y'all, Midtown, we gotta keep doing this thing together. We gotta keep celebrating this thing together. We gotta keep walking this thing together, all right? So tonight we're gonna close with a song. The song is Build My Life. And uh, there's a line in this song that says, lead me in your love to those around me. That's what we're gonna build our life on. That's what we wanna see happen. So right now I'm gonna have time of prayer. And uh, I just wanna encourage you in this as we pray tonight. Be encouraged in this. 
be encouraged in this. If you have stepped out of sight, you've stepped into dullness, guess what? You can get sharp real fast. Takes me about 10 seconds to sharpen that knife that was useless, all right? You can step right back into friendship with Jesus. He's the best friend. And those that have experienced his love, guess what? You can step right back into friendship with them. And those that need his love, well, they can't wait to hear it. So step in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you loved us when we were in the midst of sinning. You pursued us whenever we weren't pursuing you. Lord, help us to be that kind of friend. Father, we want to stay sharp. We do. We want to live to our full potential. But I recognize, God, that my full potential is going to be found when I give my life to you and I just surrender and I say yes. So, Father, tonight we say yes. Yes to loving my friend. Yes to loving you. Yes to loving my friend down the street that haven't met you yet. Lord, continue to move on behalf of our prayers. Continue to make us bold, open up doors. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus.